Today on the podcast, we sit down with Deitra Trueheart, the visionary behind the Young Miss Buffalo pageant. Launched in 1999, the pageant is celebrating 20 years of making an impact in the Buffalo, New York community. Deitra, who also runs Trueheart Speaks Enterprises, talks about the similarities between running a business and running a nonprofit and the power of saying no. Let's jump right in. Welcome to From Startup to Scale. I'm your host, Nia McAdoo. Every week, we sit down with full-time seasoned female entrepreneurs and discuss our highs, lows, and the lessons learned along the way. Let's jump right in. Today on the podcast, we have Deitra Trueheart, the founder of the Young Miss Buffalo pageant. Welcome to the chair, Deitra. Wow, thank you for having me. No, it's my pleasure. How you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain at all. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about your past, the Young Miss Buffalo pageant, where it is now, uh, and where you actually see it in the future. Okay. We start every interview with a 30-second pitch. Can you give me your pitch for the Young Miss Buffalo pageant? Absolutely. YMBP, what we call the Young Miss Buffalo pageant, is a 16-week enrichment program, leadership development program for girls ages 13 to 17. And I would like to just help you to envision being in a space where when you were 13 to 17 and thinking about where you were, what you needed, and to some extent, what you didn't get during that time period. And think of a program that would give you an opportunity to learn personal development skills, leadership skills, um, healthy competition skills, and just being able to present your best self. That's what YMBP is all about. We are celebrating 20 years in 2020, but more importantly, we are helping young women to become their best and we're helping them to come outside of their comfort zones through a process of healthy nurturing from the inside out. Wow. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. Girl, no, you're fine. I know a little bit more about you um, than our listeners will, but I really want to dive into your past because you have a background in pageants. Mm -hmm. um, you have a background in counseling. You mm -hmm. have a background in community development. You mm -hmm. have a background in nonprofit work. Yes. Did I miss anything? Um, probably not. Maybe just a, a, maybe also a background in ministry. Um, yes. And that's probably like the most recent, but that's all of it. Yes. So you launched YMBP in 1999, correct? Yes. And so what was the inspiration behind that launch? Why was YMBP important? Well, I had been a part of a lot of different organizations, um, girls programs, youth programs. I had been dancing since I was three. And so I had been competing heavily across the country. And I did my first pageant when I was 15, which I modeled YMBP after 
um, somewhat. And the experience that I took from that, in addition to everything else that I had experienced, I wanted other girls to experience. And majorly because a lot of the places that I was going and a lot of the pageants that I had competed in, I was the only black girl or even sometimes the only woman. of I wouldn't say woman because I was still young, but young woman of color. And so when I created YMBP, it was initially an inner city program. I wanted it for inner city girls. I wanted it for girls who wouldn't necessarily have access to the resources that I was privileged to have because my parents got me involved in a lot of different things. And so it was really to, it was motivated by my personal experiences. And then in addition to that, just to be able to give back. Now, as you think back to 1999, and then you think 20 years later, we're approaching um, the 20th anniversary for YMBP. How do you stay true to sort of that original goal or that original vision as you scale over the years? I think the biggest thing is always remembering our mission. Um, and our model is helping a woman to become their best, but really giving girls an opportunity to be girls. Are we being true, not necessarily to what culture is saying, not necessarily what society is saying, but really the experience that we wanted our girls to have in the very beginning. And even though times have changed and kind of the way things um, kind of evolve change, girls to some extent don't necessarily change and their needs don't necessarily change. And so for us, the goal really was and still is to present a safe space for our girls to just be girls and to get to know one another to get to know themselves and to learn about themselves and each other and so I think that is probably what has helped us to stay true I'm very clear about certain things being age appropriate even when we judge during the pageant when they're wearing certain attire what might be you know okay on MTV and BET and some of these other spaces is not okay for YMDP we really want a 13 year old to look like a 13 year old and we want a 17 year old to look like a 17 year old and even though again society may say something else or culture may be putting something else out there we're clear that it's okay to kind of take a step back and you don't necessarily always have to be what society says you have to be or do what society says that you have to do I love the fact that you're holding them to a higher standard. Yeah, I think it's important because, you know, nowadays we are really in a phase of anything goes. And so if I feel like doing it, then I'm going to do it. If I feel like saying it, then I'm going to say it. And I'm all for, you know, creative expression, freedom of speech, all that other kind of stuff. But I also think that some things, there need to be boundaries, there need to be limitations, there need to be standards, and I think to some extent, people have kind of crossed the line in that. And so we have the ability to be able to create something because it's ours to hold fast to those standards. And so what you do out there is great. But when you come here, there is a certain level of expectation that is required when you are a part of our organization and our program. I love the phrase. I don't even know that you realized you said it, but the because it's ours. Yes. I love that. I love that. Now... I do not have a background in uh, pageants. I can't sing. I can't dance. <laughs> um, so I am an outsider to this, you know, industry. Do most beauty pageants have that um, holistic approach, that sort of development program attached to it? No. They don't. And it's so interesting because I don't have a lot of girls. So my program was not created for girls to go on to a next level of pageantry. So when I competed, 
most of the programs that I competed in, there was a local level, a state level and a national level, or at least there was like a state level and a national level. And so, you know, you kind of modulate to a different section. With this, it really is just a holistic, like it's what they get within the program. If they don't win, they can come back. Um, but it's interesting because some of the girls who do come into the program catch the pageant bug. Like they enjoy it, they love it, and they want to go on. And so it's when I talk to them from my own personal experience, I let them know that what we give them is not what the big girls get. I call them the big girls. So once you're 17, 18 and above and you compete in the big girl pageants, like literally whatever you have, you show up with, they put you on the stage. They don't tell you you suck. They don't tell you that your dress is not age appropriate or it's not pageant appropriate or it's not the look that they're looking for. They don't help you prepare for interview. Like literally you show up. If there's a fee, you pay a fee, you show up with your clothes and you figure it out as you go along. And so I wanted to specifically give girls, because I could have created specifically a program and then I could have created on another end a pageant, but I wanted to do them both. I wanted to be able to culminate the two so that they would be able to not only just compete on a stage, but take the skills that they get within the program and be able to use them once the program is over and not just like, oh, well, I can only use this on stage. What they use, parents will tell you, our girls will tell you, you know, from our interviewing skills, like our girls get jobs at their job interviews. They're able to walk into rooms and say hello and look people in the eye and shake hands and all that other kind of stuff. But the getting back to the initial question, no, they do not get any of this. They, you know, and they'll say, Ms. D, oh my goodness, I remember when you said, you know, that what we get here, we don't get there because they don't help you at all. And they don't. Wow. Now, you did pageants um, starting in high school, correct? High school, Mm -hmm, college. mm -hmm. uh, And that's how you paid your way through school. Is that correct? It it was. Wow. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that people understand some of the benefits that you can get from entering pageants and being competitive. And if you could just give us a few of the titles that you held. So I was first runner up to Miss Black World, 94, 95. I was Miss Buffalo, Miss Western New York. I was third run, second runner up to Miss New York state two years in a row. I was first runner up to the Miss Shrine um, National Program. I was Miss Desert of New York. I mean, there are tons of them, but those that was probably more than just a few. But yes, I've held lots of titles, and it's. I tell people that I'm not. I didn't just create a pageant because I thought it was a good idea. Like, and I didn't just like. There's some people, and, and let me just say this: I'm not knocking you if you did, but I I'm not a person who created a pageant who never won a pageant. And who never won a title. When I competed, I competed and I placed. And so I know what it means to be in a space of winning, but I also know what it means to be in a space and not place. And so I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Um, And so when I'm talking to people like, yes, like I do have that expertise of actually competing and developing the skill and being good at it. So you have receipts, basically. I got lots of receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we, we are talking today about the Young Miss Buffalo pageant, but mm-hmm. you also run your own business, True Heart Speaks. Now, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a life coach, you're a wife, mm-hmm. you're a mother, you are busy, that I know. 
Yes. How do you stay organized? Um, I know that YMBP is a 16-week program. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining life is busy, life is hectic, and then for 16 weeks, it's an overdrive. How do you stay organized? How do you stay focused? How do you really keep it all together when you're heading into pageant season? Well, luckily, I have a really amazing team who helps me stay organized, specifically as it relates to the pageant. We are a well-oiled machine, and so there are lots of things that I used to do that I no longer do. And so it really helps that my team steps in and they know what to do. Um, You know, we meet on a weekly basis via email. I kind of put things out, and so they kind of know how to handle it. And if there's some things that maybe if I'm handling somewhere else or I can't be there, they can step in. And so that helps a lot. And just being in a space where mentally I kind of prepare ahead of time. Like I know that this is going to be a busy season for me. And so I try not to overcommit. I try not to say yes to things that I know that I can't commit to. And I try not to feel bad about it because sometimes things come up that I really want to participate in. Friends may have different things going on. And sometimes it's just a lot. It's overwhelming. And so I have learned um, the power of no and really kind of just deciding that during this and I've done better like I've done better I used to not commit to anything during pageant season like I wouldn't go to anything because I really wanted to give my time and my energy to my girls and my team and so now that I've kind of relinquished some things a little bit more, I now do take time out to do other things relative to my business or to support, you know, other organizations or different things like that. And so for me, it really is just kind of looking at it from kind of like thinking with the beginning, the end in mind. And so knowing kind of what I'm getting ready to go into, I try to plan ahead. And then even like in the crux of the organized chaos, I just kind of move with it. I think knowing when to say no and being okay with that is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, You know, we're pulled as entrepreneurs, as uh, moms, wives, everything else in so many different ways. And I think that there are a lot of times where we feel like we have to show up. Um, And I love the fact that you sort of know what your limit is. You know what your focus needs to be on uh, and you take the appropriate steps for it. So hats off to you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. So how is YMBP structured? So I know it's a pageant. I know you have a board, but how is the physical organization structured? So we are not technically structured like most um, nonprofits where you have a board, you have a executive director, where you have, you know, staff, we are specifically a working board. And so the people who come into specifically our board and our team, so we have a board of directors who kind of help to, you know, uh, create and manage policies and different things like that. But then we also have a team of volunteers who come in to kind of help make things run. And so in addition to our our volunteer board, we also have a team of volunteers to kind of help with our overall team. And so we've got, you know, different aspects of the actual program that 
everybody kind of has, you know, their fingers in, um, whether it's the pageant component or the enrichment component or whether it's media or whether it is working, you know, directly with, you know, our volunteers and our parents. Um, the overall structure is specifically when you commit to being a part of our organization, you commit to working. It's you don't just sit on a board, you don't just pay dues and you don't just kind of oversee policy. You get your hands dirty. Now, you're right. That is very different from how other boards are structured. How do you recruit and retain your board members? I'm assuming um, that before, you know, when people express interest, they might come in thinking, you know, it's just something they can add to their resume. Um, how, do, how does that work? How do you go after and retain your board Mostly all of our board members come in first as volunteers. We want to see how committed they are. We want to see if they're committed to the program. And, and it's okay that they're not, but we don't, we never bring anyone in who has never first volunteered with our organization because they really need to understand the culture of who we are and what we do and why we do what we do. Wow. Now, do you have, do you have turnover with the board or do you year to year see the same volunteers for the most part or board members? We don't have high turnover with our board. We norm and we actually don't have a lot of high turnover with our volunteers. Well, I would say when new people come in, normally I don't, I try not to give them more than I think is bearable because when you kind of experience the machine that is YMVP, you can become overwhelmed with all that it entails. And so I've learned over time to kind of be mindful of what I give people because some people come right in and people are drawn just to the idea of mentoring girls and working with girls. And everybody doesn't always get to do that because there are other areas of YMVP that we need working hands in. And so sometimes when people kind of learn that they're not going to be working directly with the girls, I think it's somewhat of a turnoff. And so what we try to kind of communicate and verbalize is that every single hand is kind of like the body, like every single part of the body matters. And so even though you may not necessarily be working directly with the girls, that what you do still matters and still helps us run. And so the turnover is not necessarily high as it relates to volunteers and board members. It's really a matter of, you know, people kind of deciding in the beginning if whether or not if it's something that they can do, because I'm clear that this is not like there is some heavy loading that comes along with it. And you do have to be accountable and that if you're not going to be accountable, this is not the space for you. And it's so important to be clear and transparent in the beginning so that, you know, time isn't wasted and that, the impact isn't felt on the actual overall program. So, mm -hmm. and we've had, we've had that we've had, you know, people were either we weren't clear or they weren't clear in, in what was communicated. And so now probably the last couple of years, I don't candy coat, I don't sugar coat, I don't, 
put, you know, sprinkles on top. Like, I just let them know, like, you know, I'm not expecting you to give me your whole life. But if you say you're going to give me 5% of your life, I expect 100% of that 5%. And if you can't give that to me, don't take on something that at some point you know that you can't do and not say that you can't do it. Because if you drop the ball, then what happens is, is it leaves a space open for somebody to kind of come in and pick up where you left off. But then that means that they also are now, there's a gap in what they're supposed to be doing. And so I just try to really communicate the importance of communication and just saying, hey, I don't think that I can do all of this right now and or it's not the right time for me. And I respect that more than like midway through. And it's kind of like, oh, well, I um, I just and I tell people like once the train gets started with YMVP, it is hard for us to put the brakes on it. And so at that point, my patience is really thin because I can't technically backtrack. We just kind of have to really kind of keep going and pick up the slack and kind of make it work, which we always do. So I just, you know, it's we've had those issues. And so every year with where we find maybe, you know, some things that we have to fine tune, we try to do better in the following year. Something you said, you know, running a nonprofit, running a business, it seems like there's a lot of similarities between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, When you talked about, you know, sometimes things are not a good fit. I was talking, I had the opportunity to attend the Black Enterprise Conference uh, for Entrepreneurs last week. And in the midst of a conversation, I was telling someone you know, as a business owner, I've learned to hire slow and then fire mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You want to make sure it is a good fit. And I think that especially with working with young women um, and knowing that it's a holistic approach to their development, you want to make sure that you do have the right people and the commitment level is there. Um what other similarities do you see between running your company, True Heart Speaks, and then serving, you know, as the visionary for YMVP? Well, it's funny because I think in the beginning, I did a lot of things similar. So as it related to, you know, kind of like creating my vision statement, uh, my mission statement, my vision, my purpose, being clear on who I was serving. So, you know, your target audience, your ideal client, your avatar, however you want to phrase that in, you know, business uh, terms, making sure that you're clear, you know, on who you're serving, why you're serving them, being able to communicate that. So like the 30 minute pitch, like people want to know why they want, why they should support you. Right. And so even as it relates to business where people want to know, you know, people will automatically be able to identify if you're for them or not, you know, within those first few seconds, it's the same, maybe in the opposite way with funders, you know, or people who you want to support your organization, you need to be able to communicate that you can't just say, Oh, we work with everybody and we serve everybody. And at some point, you're going to exhaust your resources, because you only have limited resources for a certain group of people that you're working with. And the other part is, is everybody is not interested in that. So if I have people who are interested in supporting nonprofits who support elderly people, then, you know, me being able to say, oh, well, we possibly could do that. Well, that's not what we do. Um, For one, it's misleading. It's confusing. But at any rate, it's on on the same aspect. Um, Those are I think those are similar. You know how you, you know, manage your budget and how you manage your finances, how you manage your team. Um, A lot. There are tons of similarities as it relates to 
running a business and not and, and running a nonprofit. Um, I think just probably the differences is, is, you know, when you're dealing with like taxes and different things like that, um, there may be some, some differences in that area. Um, that's not my specialty. So I'm not even going to jump into that, but there are a lot of similarities as it relates to running a nonprofit and a, and a for-profit. Now I often, and I actually know a lot of people who, have successfully started and run businesses and they're looking for a philanthropic arm, I guess. And mm-hmm. they start, um, some start side projects, some start organizations. Um, and just to be clear, YMBP is a 501c3, correct? Yes. Okay. And explain exactly what that is. So... The 501c3 is, and there are actually different 501c statuses. So, like, I believe there's like a 501c1 and a 501c2. And I, like I said, those are things that I'm not, I don't, ha- I don't specialize in. But specifically for us, um, as a 501c3, we are a a educational um, nonprofit, and so educational academic nonprofit, and so we basically. Um, our, we're not for profit. We are a nonprofit organization. But in addition to that, in being a nonprofit, we also have tax exempt status. And so a lot of people, which I learned um, when I was applying for our 501c status, 501c3 status years ago, learned that just because you have the 501c3 status, you also still need to apply for your tax exempt status, which basically means like any purchases and different things that you purchase within your state, if your state has taxes, then you can basically no longer pay for those taxes or at least they're, you know, considered kind of like tax write-offs. Um, and so that's basically really what that means just as a nonprofit arm, um, a, not a, a philanthropic organization that gives back and, you know, in simple terms does great things for, for its community, for a specific group of people. Hmm. I never knew there was a difference between 501c3 and being tax exempt. I always assumed that it went arm and up hand in hand. I believe they do go hand in hand, but they don't come. The five the the tax exempt status doesn't come with the five hundred one c three. You have to show that you are an official five hundred one c three in order to get that tax exempt status. Okay, okay. So now I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, yes. When, when you initially did that paperwork, uh, I've heard. <laughs> I don't know that it is a process. Mm-hmm. Is that something you did in house with your board, or is that something you outsourced? I did it in house with my board, and had I probably known better, I probably would have outsourced. But mm-hmm. my personality is a personality of oh, I can figure it out, and I did. So the interesting thing is when I first started working on our paperwork, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where kind of like you pick something up and you're like, Ooh, like this, I don't know, like this seems to be too much for me. And so like, it just doesn't seem like it's clicking, like you're reading everything and it doesn't make sense. And at that time there weren't really a lot of people who had a lot of expertise kind of like in my circle doing that nowadays, like you can say, Hey, I need somebody who can help me, you know, um, start a nonprofit and you can probably either Google it or whatever. I mean, you know, Googling at that time, like we even talk about the internet, we were talking about like AOL, like the internet is not what it's like now. Like there's so many different, yes, it was, 
it, and yes, and then you know you you could nowadays you can actually fill out the application online. I think um, at that time you had to print it out, and I think you could do it in Adobe where you could type it up and then send it to them. But there were so many different things. So at any rate, um, I ended up doing it myself. And so once I kind of I put it down and I said, okay, I'm going to put it down, and then I'm going to come back to it. And timing is everything. And so I think when I came back to it that second time and I read through it things just started to click. And luckily, I had already had a lot of stuff. I'm a researcher by nature. So I'm going to research, I'm going to Google everything. I'm an information hoarder. So like for me, getting the information, we kind of had a lot of stuff already in place when we applied. But I would say, if you are looking at doing it, even with a business, like, and these, this is another similarity. If you're looking at starting a business, if you're looking at starting a nonprofit, I would say start saving your coins. So that um, if you are interested in having someone do it, then you've got the money to do it. And I would just say save anywhere between $1,500 to $2,500. It may not be that much, but at least you have it and you can pay somebody who can help to make that process a little bit simpler. Wow. And that also frees you up to do some more, you know, more things to get everything moving forward. Uh, Do things that... As business owners, we're so caught up with doing everything ourselves in the beginning um, that we're ending up working in the business versus on the business. And the same can be said for sort of what you're doing as the visionary behind YMBP. Absolutely. When you think back um, to the beginning and you fast forward these 20 years, what's one thing that you really wish you would have known in the beginning um, as you, you know, started the pageant? Hmm. That's a good question. I think probably the biggest thing might be like saving money to be able to fund the things that I wanted to fund. And maybe... I don't know, because when I first started out, even though I kind of started out grassroots level, I was blessed to be able to have people who went. So I took probably about a year or two to write the vision of what YMBP would look like. And so I took the time to create visually and even emotionally. And so when I was writing, I would write how I wanted my girl, what I wanted them to experience, how I wanted them to feel throughout the program or when they got done with the program. And so a lot of that stuff, I created that blueprint. And so I think in creating that, like I had people who, as I was telling them about it, were they were automatically on board. So I had tons of supporters in the very beginning, but I think I probably would have maybe leveraged that um, a little bit better. And so maintaining those relationships and making sure that I kind of fed off of those relationships. So sometimes it's kind of like in fundraising where you connect with people who can, and even in business, right? And so like you meet people who know people who know people who know people. And so I think in the beginning, I probably would have, if I had known better, leveraged those relationships a little bit better. And so they weren't salvaged in a negative way I think I just didn't know how to develop them and cultivate them so that they could blossom you know at a higher level than they could have than they were I should say if that makes sense no it makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense you touched um on it a few times um on parents and you're working with young ladies what is the parents role in your program so 
it's 16 weeks, you're working with these girls on a regular basis. What is the role that parents play in this, in your program? The biggest role is just to support and let us do what we do. We, one of the things that I've learned is sometimes you'll get parents who, like my mom was, um, overbearing, wanted to be involved, wanted to be front and center, wanted to make sure like everything was good with her kid. And I recognize that sometimes kids don't operate at their fullest capacity or at their most authentic, in their most authentic space when parents are around or when parents are kind of like just in doing what parents do, right? No, not nothing bad, nothing wrong with it or whatever, but just kind of like, you know, I can't really be who I want to be because she's sitting right there. And so workshop for workshops and different things like that, like obviously we require the parents to, you know, be present and make sure that the girls show up, make sure that they have what they need. But our biggest thing, and we tell the parents, we just want you to be parents. We want you to support. We want you to love them. We want you to love on them and let us do what we do so they're not allowed to rehearsals they're not allowed to workshops they're not allowed to any of our girls night outs like this is just a really a safe space and an open space for the girls to have fun and to create authentic friendships where there are no kind of like preconceived notions where there are no facades where you know who they have to be at school they don't have to be with YBP and so we try to cultivate that within the girls and we try to do that by letting the parents know that they're in good hands when you drop them off or you got go do what you're going to do um every saturday from 10 to 2 30 or 10 to 5 30 depending upon the day and then you know enjoy your time go home take a nap come and pick them up and then they're yours until you, we see them again the next week wow and so this is weekly for six mm -hmm. weeks yep every every saturday we meet with our girls from 10 to 2 30 we have a monthly girls' night out that we do with them where we do something fun. So actually this Friday, the girls are going to be doing um, Lasertron. Um, every year, one of our authentic or I would just say our annual events is our etiquette dinner, which is a connection to their etiquette workshop that they participate in. Um, but they've done movie nights. They've done soap making. They've done jewelry making. We've done, um, you know, uh, get air, sky zone, and we kind of sometimes let them pick what they want to do just because we want it to be fun. But anytime that they drop their, the girls off to us, they are in our care and we make sure um, to guarantee that they're going to be safe. But yeah, we meet with them every single Saturday. And then once a month we do a talent review. So it extends the day from two 30 to five 30. And then we do our monthly girls night out once a month, every last Friday of the month. When I hear sky zone and laser Tron and, Every week for 16 weeks, I think food, I think expenses. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the ways that you fundraise for YMBP? Yes. So we do lunch sponsors. So the goal is to try to get all of our lunches sponsored. We have opportunities for people to sponsor our award. So if they want to pay for our trophies, if they want to even cover um, the weekend of the pageant, we need to sponsor kind of like just in-kind program sponsors. So they can either give a financial donation or in-kind. So if they want to cook and just bring something, but any of our programmatic things. So if they wanted to sponsor like a girl's night out. So if somebody says, Hey, how much is it for the girls to go to LaserTron this weekend? I'll pay for it. Um, we also do every year we do spring it on, which is an annual 24 hour, um, giving campaign where basically for 24 hours, we seek to raise a lump sum of money. And so we've done those, we've done, um, raffles, 
we have our annual awards lunch and scholarship lunch and where we raise money during that time. And then we, I just have just through personal relationships. Um, there are people who hear about what we're doing. They love what we're doing. They, you know, been at, you know, they have um, been a result of what we're doing kind of, and I don't know if that's the word that I'm looking for, um, a recipient of what we're doing. They participated. And so they want to give back. And so we get a lot of just individuals who give because they believe in what we're doing. And I'm sure I'm, I'm leaving something else out of, of how we, we fundraise um, and just really just trying to leverage social media. But any way that we can get creative in sitting down and connecting with people and letting them know what we do, um, it just, I believe that people, and, and um, it's similar to business where they say um, people don't do business with organizations, they do business with people. And I believe that people don't give to organizations, they give to people, they give to stories, they give to things that they can relate to. Wow. I think that's powerful. And I agree a hundred percent. There are you know, organizations I support, not only because I love the story, but I love, you know, the founder, I love the visionary behind it. Um, and I support businesses for the same reason. When you look back over the past 20 years, what are you most proud of as it relates to the pageant? I would just say our legacy and the fact that people still believe in what we do and people still love what we do and that we're not perfect. So it hasn't always been perfect. We've made tons of mistakes, but even in that we've had girls who will say participating in this program changed my life. It helped me to look at myself with confidence and be able to present myself and to be able to just have confidence about who I am and walk into a room and feel good about who I am. And so I think it's just our legacy. It's like what we do. And I love that. Like I love being able to, kind of just hear the stories because, you know, after 20 years of doing something, you know, it can become routine. Like you can just kind of like you're in it and you know, you're doing a good job. And I think last year we had one of our alums, Amber Quinney, she was a keynote speaker for our work, our awards luncheon. And she just kind of talked about how our program really was a kind of a, it created a shift for her. Um, to be really be able to walk into and learn who she was and gain confidence, like a lot of the things that I just talked about. And I teared up because it was kind of like, wow, like what we do does matter and what we do does have impact on our girls. And she's 23 now, but when she did the program, she was 15, she was 16. And so to know that some, what was that, like seven or eight years later, six or seven years later, for her to be in a space to say, this program really impacted me. And I realized that we're sowing seeds. So I recognize that sometimes we won't hear from them from another like five or 10 years because they don't recognize the impact of what we're doing now. Yeah. And so for me, it really is about legacy. And over 200 girls served in 20 years. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. I'm hearing trust. I'm hearing authenticity. I'm hearing community building and I'm hearing legacy and I love it all. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's juicy. We are going to move into just a few quick questions um, before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, what's a brand that you've been introduced to in the last year or something that's woman-owned, something owned by a black woman um, that you like and you want to put on? So... I have tons of things, but, and it's not even anything that I've just put on, but I absolutely love her and I love 
just kind of, I've watched her grow up. And so there's a couple, but the, this one, I'm just going to give her a shout out. Her name is Xandra. And oh, I yes. love her body souffle. I love her big bomb. It's a lip balm. And um, she started her business when she was nine and she's now 18. Her business is on track to be a million dollar um, brand. And so if you go to Zandra, Zandra Beauty, um, follow her, tell her True Heart Speaks sent you. But I just love watching her and her mom. And even her mom is creating a brand called Raising a Mogul. Because she's done such a phenomenal job with Zandra. Zandra is amazing. And I still have, I get the big bomb, the mm-hmm. big chapsticks. Um, and I've, I used it today and I've been known to rub it on an elbow. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. girl, <laughs> I love it. But watching Zandra grow um, over the years has been amazing. So we're talking about a young lady who, um, like Dietrich said, started her company when she was a nine, um, is now at the University of Buffalo, where mm-hmm. I graduated, because UB is fabulous. And, um, <laughs> you know, she's been in Target. She, you know. Yeah, she's in Target, Whole Foods, Wegmans. Girl. Paper Source is where she yes, originally started. That's where she started. I love when we can recognize and highlight entrepreneurs, especially young black entrepreneurs who are doing great things. So as we wrap up, tell us the best way to sort of support you. I would say the best port, the, the best way to support is through financial giving. You can go to paypal.me forward slash YMBP or just look up the Young Miss Buffalo pageant. You can go to our website, ymbp.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YM. B pageant Y M B P A G E A N T. And so you can find us there. You can also find me for, on my business side at True Heart Speaks, and that's T R U E H E A R T S P E A K S on all platforms. That will be a huge help to what we do for our girls this year and every year. I'll be reaching out to you to set up a donation to celebrate the 20th year of YMBP. Deetra, again, I want to make sure that I say thank you, thank you, and thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Startup to Scale. You can follow me at Nia McAdoo on Instagram and, of course, at NiaMcAdoo.com. Hey.